The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern Carolina's longest-running sports radio show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show is powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, Pepsi, The Rick House, Greenville Utilities, BMS Builders, Seared Chop House, The Gavigan Agency, Tap Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers and Greenville Auto World. And now, here's Brian Bailey. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into a great show we have for you. We're talking East Carolina Pirate football and North Carolina State football. We're less than two weeks away from the big matchup at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium to come today. Great performances by Pirates against the Wolfpack. And we're going to kick it off with Shane Carden, November 23rd, 2013. He was a part of five touchdowns as East Carolina beats State 42-28. Then we'll take you back to October 16th, 2010. East Carolina beats State 33-27 in overtime. Damon Magazoo picked off the pass to clinch it for East Carolina. And then Luke Fisher, back on January 2nd, 1992, he caught the game-winning pass against State as the Pirates won it 37-34. Should be a great show. The captain kicks it off for us. Shane Carden after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, providing reliable utility solutions to the Greenville region since 1905. Now, back to the show. Shane Carden, number five. What a career he's having and what a season he's having. Well, the way he distributed the football, I mean, he had nine different players catch passes throughout the game. He made plays with his legs here, nothing open, ran for two touchdowns, but his command and just the ability to put the ball in the end zone when they got in the red zone, almost perfect throughout the entire game when they got inside the 20-yard line, and just the different ways that they scored and moved the football was so impressive. He was 23 of 30 on the day, 255 yards. November 23rd, 2013, East Carolina with the win over North Carolina State, 42-28. Welcome back to the Brian Bailey Show. The captain, Shane Carden, joins us. He is now the head football coach at Wood River High School in Haley, Idaho. But he's taking time out to uh, go back in time with us and talk about pirate football against North Carolina State. Shane, how are you? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I tell you, the captain, Shane Carden, joining us. 39 games, 1,052 for 1,579. That's 66.6% in his career, 11,991 yards, 86 touchdowns. Uh, just a tremendous career. But we're talking today about North Carolina State because the Pirates obviously play uh, in less than two weeks against the Wolfpack. Leading up to a game, you had tremendous games against State and against Carolina, You know some of the regional rivalries. But when you play a game like this, Shane, what goes through your mind as far as your preparation goes you know i mean you, you try to treat it like any other game you know and that's what we say to the media and, you know that's what the stories are written but i mean you're you're geared up for it man right it's it's a close team it's a team that you know you're not necessarily supposed to beat um maybe add a little motivation and uh you know when i was there it was a big big uh, phrase was chip on our shoulder and we took that to every game and there was no doubt when we went up to uh play and stay there uh we definitely had that in mind when you think back to your career and the biggest wins in your career, state comes to mind, Carolina comes to mind. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we just had such a great game plan going up to state. Um, we executed it very well at a high level. And, uh, and I, I certainly remember we played so fast that game offensively. I mean, we went back on film. There was a few times we, you know, we were going no huddle so fast. They had, uh, 10 and I think even one play, nine people on the field on their defense. Wow. That's, that's some kind of pace. When you think back to those days, I mean, how much do you wake up on a Saturday and miss, you know, putting that uniform on and, and going back out there and playing? Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, being a coach now, you know, those practices, and we're trying to tell kids the other day, like, you're going to miss, like, some of these hardest practices. These are the ones we look back on. You think about those summer workouts where, you know, maybe half the team's throwing up after the workout, but you miss those days because, uh, you know, you just push through it together and, you know, for me, what ECU turned into is just such a such a family and um, you know home for me. That yeah, hundred percent, I miss it. And you bet I'll be uh, wearing purple every Saturday this year. Shaden Carden will always be a hero to uh, East Carolina Pirate fans. And what you said is so true. I mean, even a, a player that played high school football like myself and knew I wasn't going to play in college. I remember my high school coach telling us late in the season, "Hey, you only got a couple of times to put that uniform on." And when you're that age, I don't think you really realize it. But there's no, you know, there's an adult league, I guess, somewhere. But but there's really no other chance to put the football pads back on after you finish up. Football is one of those sports that it just doesn't happen anymore. And I guess, and especially with a guy like you who was such a star when you finally have to hang it up. At least you're still around the game, but uh, man. But you do have YouTube and you do have videos. You can always show your kids and your grandkids, and, and, and you're a hero at East Carolina. <laughs> well, I mean, you definitely do miss it. And, uh, you know, football is unique in the sense that, you know, there's pickup basketball games that you can get going pretty easily, and there's softball leagues, and there's maybe some flag leagues. But, you know, once you do hang it up, like you said, it, there, there was never a time you'll get 11 versus 11 padded up on a field playing football. It just doesn't happen. And that's why that, you know, football is truly unique in that way that once you're done, you're done. And, uh, you know, it is, it's hard for a bit when you first get done with it. And uh, I think coaching and giving back to this next generation is just such a good and healthy way to still be in it. Um, and just to keep giving back for, uh, to this sport. All right, as you said, you're now the head coach at Wood River High School, Haley, Idaho. We always talk about, you know, as you get older, you think about the, the younger generation. And now I'm 60, just turned 60 this summer. I think about, you know, the really young generation, how, how it's all changed. I talk to the high school coaches here a lot, and I don't know how they deal with all of the social media pressures that these kids have to be under and, and have to, you know, you have to monitor so much. And, you know, it's, it's just a different world out there. And it's even a different world from when you played high school football, which wasn't that long ago, to what these kids are going through. Yeah, I mean, again, that's, that's something we tell our kids. I mean, look, we, they get a lot of pressure on themselves already. And then you add in this whole social media age that is just unlike anything. And I mean, I remember sophomore year of college, I had a conversation with a few roommates like, Hey, should I get a Twitter? And now, you know, for my kids, I, I tell them to get a Twitter if they're trying to get recruited. It's a great way to communicate with coaches, get your, you know, highlights them out there. I mean, social media, if used right, can be great, but it is also so much extra pressure and, it's so hard to kind of push that noise out because it's it's just right there. It's right there in your hand, twenty four seven, and it creates a whole nother. Um, you know, you can make it a problem if it is um, for these young kids, and unfortunately, it can be a huge distraction as well. 
Yeah, it really can. And as you said, I think that's what I've always said about social media. If used correctly, it can be such an asset in every part of life. I mean, you can promote things that, that, you know, it's a different way to promote. You know, I'm in the TV business, and we run commercials, obviously, but a great way for us to promote is through Twitter and through Facebook and and to get people watching that way. We can, you know, we can put our high school football show on Twitter the next day, and people can click on it and watch it right there on their phone. So it's really just changed so much. But uh I really have a lot of respect for all the, the coaches, you know, the, the ones that are young like yourself, the ones that are older, that have been doing it for a long time, but it's very, very difficult. Talk about your team a little bit. What do you like about your Wood River High School team? You know, we've, we've had uh, a young team for the last few years, our COVID year. Um, unfortunately, we were only able to play two games. Um, so we've had a, a lot of guys just put through some hard stuff, but we got a bigger, older group now, um, a group that's really starting to lead from the uh, players and you know, I tell those guys, I tell my coaches, man, good teams are led by coaches, great teams are led by players. And uh, we're really starting to get to that point. Um, we got an old quarterback who's been there with me. I've been working with him since eighth grade. Um, we just got a good group of receivers. And the core of our team um, has just really changed since my first year there. And it's it's just fun to be around with a great staff. Um, and it's, it's fun. You know, we're, we're battling right now. But, um, you know, when you can go over there and you can enjoy being around the kids and your staff's there making it fun. You know, it's, it's absolutely a good time and a good team to be around. And doing the research for the interview, I looked back and I did not realize that in 2011 you played one game with the East Carolina football team as a wide receiver. What was that like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just itching so bad to get on that field. And, you know, we it was late in the game. I got put in for a play. There was later in the year where I think, uh, you know, Zika Pastuta's at running back because all our guys had gotten hurt. And I just told Riley, I said, hey, man, if I can go in, I know what the, I know what the pass protections are. I know how to run a swing route. We're good to go. And he kind of looked at me laughing, and I'm 100% serious. Like, I'm ready to do this. Um, didn't get in there, and that's okay. It's probably for the best. Um, but, yeah, I just, just always was itching to get in somewhere. You mentioned Lincoln Riley. I know he was a guest of yours uh couple of weeks, a month ago or so, you got married. What was that like? Yeah, it was great, you know, and we tried to get a few more guys out here. You know, Ruff was, was right there. He had some things going on, a few other players that couldn't make it. But, you know, it was just so – It was we kept joking, man. It was like all over again. I'm sitting there talking to Riley and Bryce, and we are talking about games. And just Yeah, it was almost like uh, we were back in time there for a minute. But just, just so much fun, and I wish those other guys could have made it. You know, Hardy's up in uh, Canada right now playing, so he was unable to make it, and a few other guys. Um, you know, just how it goes. Life happens. People get busy. Uh, but it's great. I think it just shows, you know, that, that was that family thing. You know, a lot of people talk about it and other programs, this or that, but that's really what it was for us. And, you know, we still do keep in touch um, when we can with all those guys. Um, and it, it was a blast. It was an absolute blast having those guys. You know, I remember when Coach Ruff hired Lincoln, he was so young, and Coach Ruff said, you know, he's special. And then I got to know him a little bit, and I thought, yeah, this guy is special. I don't think any of us knew how special Lincoln was, did we? I don't think so either. And You know, maybe he's – I'm sure he did. He knew what he was doing. But, um, you know, and something he'd always talk to the quarterback room about was just, you know, you're always getting ready for the job you, you're get on, going after, not the one you have, you know, for him as an O.C., you know, he'd be in team meeting room taking notes as Ruff is talking. And, uh, you know, he'd tell us, if you're the backup, you should be training for this. If you're the starter, you should be, you know, training for the next level. You know, like always with your mind of, of kind of getting to the next spot. And obviously that's paid off for him. And what he's doing is awesome. Um, and it's really fun to watch. 
All right, take us to the Beepo Brady's Bowl. Now you're in the huddle and you get the call that you're going to be uh, running a route and trying to catch a touchdown pass. Take us through the, the, the call and what you were thinking on that play. Well, I think it really started in the walkthrough before where we're, uh, you know, our walkthroughs were just dead silent. You know, it's only hand signals. I'm the only one talking, getting the signals from coach. And we call that play in the walkthrough and there is this just huge chandelier in the middle of the room. We do it. Worthy throws it up and this, I mean, it might even, jingled one of the little pieces of chandelier. I mean, it came so close to hitting that. I catch it. Everyone's just, no one moved. It was quiet. We get done. Ruff's like, well, thank God you didn't hit that because I wasn't going to be able to afford to replace that chandelier. <laughs> so he said, all right, that must have been a good omen. Um, we get into the game. I, kind of, I remember coming around the corner. I'm like, damn, there's a couple guys over here. And uh, sure enough, Worthy, you know, trusted uh, me to go up there and get that ball, um, which, you know, he, he liked to tell Coach Nickel that, you know, he was putting it behind uh, the one defender in front of the other, and it was just like, no way. He just threw it up. But, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> just making plays. I mean, having fun and uh, definitely one I, I sticks with. And, you know, I coach some receivers out here in high school, and they're this or that. I'm like, hey, you got to listen to me now. I have a touchdown catch. <laughs> so, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was the last bowl win for East Carolina in the Beefo Brady's Bowl, 37 to 20 win over the Bobcats of Ohio in that game. When you think about just just your whole playing career and now into your coaching career, how how has that playing career helped that coaching career to start? Oh, a whole lot, you know. And I, I think you know going through and getting to get you know some different leagues afterwards. You know, I, I see the the biggest thing in coaching that I've ever seen get in the way of a good coach is an ego. And uh, that's something I make sure I don't have. And I'm all ears of my assistant coaches. Now it's time to make a decision. It's my decision. And I live by it, but you know, no egos. And then, you know, Ruff was really good about this. Just, you know, taking it like, Hey, you know what? We didn't win that game. That one's on me. You know, I, that's, that's, I didn't get you guys ready enough. And, uh, you know, I think as a coach, when you can take ownership, um, of things, and obviously when it's good, you, you praise your team. Say, hey, that was a team win, man. You guys got that done for us. Um, you know, it goes a long way. You know, to being this close out to playing, you know, you remember those things, and you remember how it built you as a player, and your mindset, and how close you could get because of that. So, um, just taking those things back, uh, the things I learned, the things I liked from coaches, and things I did not like. Um, and biggest thing, just communicating with your players. And like I said, I got a group now where. I want to hear their opinion. You know, they've, or they've earned that right in the off season and the way they carry themselves now. And, again, that goes a long way when you can let your players be themselves and have an opinion about what's going on now with the team. All right, we're not anywhere close to Haley, Idaho, but give us a preview of this week's game, Wood River against McCall Donnelly. Yeah, so uh, this first time playing McCall. They're another uh, small ski, ski town, um, about four hours north. They're coming down. Um, you know, we're trying to get film from last year. We haven't um, played them ever, like I said. So we uh, we think we know what's going on. The main focus, though, is, you know, we got to do what we're best at, um, not try to get too much into game planning, and uh, we just got to execute. And if we can do that, we got a great group of receivers. Like I said, a good quarterback um, and some older guys. We just got to go, and we got to execute our game plan. If we do that, um, this team should be successful this week. All right, final question. Any chance you can get back to Greenville for a home game this year? Right now, looking at my football schedule and uh, looking at my personal schedule right now, it looks like uh, November 19th, that last home game. Oh, great. Pretty good for my schedule. Um, so right now, that is the plan. I hope uh, that all works out. Um, but I'm going to let you guys know when that slide is booked.
<laughs> Please do that. The captain returns on November the 19th. Shane Carden joining us today to talk East Carolina Pirate football against North Carolina State. Shane, thanks so much for the time today. I know you got a busy schedule right now, so we certainly appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate your friendship. Uh, you're one of my all-time favorite Pirates for sure. I think you're one of everybody's all-time favorite Pirates. We loved watching you play, and we love keeping in touch with you. Best of luck with your, your new family. You get the marriage going and everything. You're coaching, and it's, it's, a, it's a great, great story. Well, Brian, I thank you a lot. I always have a good time talking with you, and I uh, hope we can do it in person here uh, later in November. Sounds good. We're booking it. November the 19th. Shane Carden, the captain, everybody. We'll take a commercial break right now. Coming up next, Damon Magazoo joins us. You'll recall October 16th, 2010, as the Pirates won over NC State in overtime, and Mags made the big play in OT. Back with more after this. Hey, everybody, this is David Glenn, and you're listening to my favorite station in eastern North Carolina, Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, providing reliable utility solutions to the Greenville region since 1905. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to our show on this Monday, getting you set for Pirate football against North Carolina State coming up on September the 3rd. Here's one of the biggest plays by a Pirate in East Carolina football history against the Wolfpack. For NC State, NC State doesn't need to try to get all of it this down. Go down to 12. Wilson looking down the middle. Picked off the freshman, David Magazoo. And East Carolina has come up with the 33-27 victory. 33-27 back on October the 16th, 2010. He was only a freshman. Damon Magazoo now an assistant coach at UNLV, and he joins us to relive the magic of an East Carolina Pirate victory over the Wolfpack. Damon, how are you? I'm doing good, brother. How's everything your way? Doing great, doing great. When you hear that call of that play, I mean, what, what does that bring back as far as memories go? Uh, I'll tell you what, I got a little goosebumps uh, just then, but it wasn't for anything else other than just hearing, you know, uh, all the fans go crazy. Got some of the best fans in, in the nation um, at ECU, and they, they've always been great to uh, the football program there and have always shown up and shown out, that's for sure. You know, when you think back to that game again, October 16, 2010, Pirates actually led 21-0 after the first quarter. State came back in the game. Back and forth we go. The second half was a defensive struggle. We go to overtime. Dominic Davis scores on a one-yard run, but the Pirates miss the extra point. So as a defensive player, when you take the field, knowing your team's only up by six, I think a lot of us were thinking, like, well, here we go. If State scores a touchdown, gets the extra point, you know, the game's over. But what are you thinking about as a defender in that situation uh, i mean it just goes back to your training going back to what coaches have uh put you in in position throughout the week uh and the tips and reminders uh, and just falling back to your training that entire week and just doing your job i mean if, if everybody does their 111th on each play then you know you're hoping that uh you're put in a successful position and you just got to make that play when it comes your way Russell Wilson, now with the Denver Broncos, but of course that great uh, career with the Seahawks. He went on to play at Wisconsin after he left NC State. But in three years with the Wolfpack, he threw for 8,545 yards through 76 touchdown passes. Didn't throw 77, did he, Damon? <laughs> he 
did not. He did not. And and like I've said before, uh, and I'll continue to say it is is guys doing their job. D line up front. Raheem Morgan on on a phenomenal reroute. That that part hasn't changed. They made my job easy on on that last play. When you saw what was going on in that last play, I mean, did did Russell tip his hand a little bit? Did you see it in his eyes where he was going? Uh, I think you know. And I know I kind of reiterate myself every time uh, we talk about it, but Raheem Morgan on the reroute really made it easier uh, for me because I could feel that receiver really trying to fight over top on the bender. Um, so once I started to feel that, then I was just keying through the receiver to uh, to the quarterback. So I mean, really, he made that made my job way easier by just uh, going and doing his one eleven. So uh, just doing what we're coached to do on, on each play and. Uh, you know, the coaches put us in position on that one. All right, when you made the interception, now you came out of the end zone, you, you downed it about the two-yard line. What was going through your head then? Get down and get out of there. <laughs> down, celebrate with teammates, the fans, the coaches, and then get out of there. <laughs> All right, that game w- was on television. Let me ask you this trivia question because I didn't know the answer to this one either until the other night. Who was the first person that you had an interview with on the field right after that interception? Do you know? Oh, I would say uh, my guess would be that it was you. Yeah, that's a good guess. I didn't, I didn't remember it, but I was watching the broadcast of it and the first one because we weren't supposed to do interviews on the field. So Tom McClellan, if he's listening, uh, please turn the radio down for a second because we weren't supposed to do them on the field. But man, when that happened, we just ran out there and we got you. And then the the next interview because my best friend Brian Medor was working for the competition channel seven at the time so they they flashed to, to a shot of me interviewing you the tv side did and then they went to something else and they came back and it was a shot of billy weaver getting an interview with you so i thought well, that's pretty cool I, I got out there first for an old guy that's really good <laughs> yeah you must have been you must have been moving brother yeah i was moving brother i probably was rolling more than i was moving but it, it was it was fun to do all right let's talk about david magazine and what you're doing right now an assistant coach with unlv uh your coaching career off to a great start you started as a grad assistant in east carolina spent two years at oklahoma which i know meant the world to you and now you're coaching the safeties at unlv what's that like oh it's, it, it's been a blessing um you know a lot of coaches get into the to the business to you know really help young men grow. Uh, obviously on the field, but the off the field piece is the biggest thing for me. And now going into year three, I've had a chance to to see young guys come in and watch them mature, and um, that's that's been the the biggest part for me. And being around these guys, see the work that they put in, and I'm just uh, excited, more excited as a whole staff to uh, start game week this week and and play week zero and. Uh, just focus on getting getting better every single day and, and watching our guys progress. UNLV with that Week Zero game, as you said, against Idaho State coming up. Uh, 3.30 kickoff on the CBS Sports Network. So if you have that on your uh, satellite or your cable, you can watch UNLV this weekend. I know a lot of us are starving for college football. Uh, Carolina does have a game as far as regional teams go. But UNLV plays in Damon Magazine. Well, you'll be in the uh, in, in the booth, right? Uh, I will actually be on the field. Great. So we're, uh, Good. Play in Allegiant Stadium here where the Raiders also play and uh so we'll have we'll have a good show out there from uh from our fans here in Vegas and uh watch our guys perform. What's it like living in Vegas? Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um it was a whole different 
surroundings than what I anticipated being out here because I've never been to Vegas before moving here. Um, and I'm blessed to have my aunt and uncle that live about 15 minutes away from me. Uh, so it's nice to have family in town. And then, uh, you know, there's always great food and I'm a big foodie. So, uh, there's, there's plenty of places to go find and, and have all types of different foods. How did you get to UNLV, Damon? I mean, when you're looking around at coaching opportunities, how did you get to, uh, to work with the running rebels? Uh, you know, the football world and community is always a, a small one, as, as everybody knows. And I had a chance when I went to work with uh, Coach Riley and Coach Ruff at OU to meet uh, the new defensive coordinator in 2019, uh, Alex Grinch. And uh, he and our head coach here, Marcus Arroyo, worked together at Wyoming uh, back in the day. So there was a connection there. And, um, you know, just uh, I was blessed to be able to have a couple conversations with uh, Coach Arroyo and, uh, you know, we gelled pretty well, had similar values and standards. And, uh, and so I was blessed with the opportunity to be able to come out here and really start my, my coaching career as far as a, uh, full-time coach. Being out on the West, uh, coast kind of like that, not really on the coast, but right out there in the West. Do you still get a chance to keep up with, with East Carolina and the teams back of the East? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've been following ECU ever since I left. Um, you know, I still know some guys on staff there, Trip Weaver, who was, uh, actually the GA, uh, for DBs when I played there. Um, so I keep up with them and then I always have guys calling me just from around the, the North Carolina area to some of, some of my friends and buddies to see if I can help, you know, get some of their family members, uh, on the board and stuff like that. And so about it and I've been keeping up with Trip Weaver, Coach K. Um, all those guys over there, and then obviously you, me, Dor, Tom, you know, Officer Sutton. So I, I still keep uh, keep in touch with all those guys on the East Coast. Yeah, we appreciate that for sure because uh, we've got a good group here. That Some of us have stayed forever, and some of these guys like Donnie Kay and, and Shank, they'll go away for a while, and then they got to come back. So uh, eventually we all return home, and hopefully uh, Damian Magazoo can return home as well. Uh, what about this UNLV team football uh, squad this year? How good are you guys going to be? You know, we're just uh, focused on doing our job and, and – you know, the progress that our guys have made throughout spring ball and, uh, fall camp and now going into week zero, uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch them grow. So, you know, we're just focused on getting 1% better every day. And I think our guys have done that this off season. And we're just excited to kind of go out, focus on us on, uh, Saturday and just do our job. But, uh, I'm really excited for this group of kids. Uh, for all the work that they put in and, and just want to watch it come to fruition for them. What's fall camp like at UNLV? How hot do you, does it get there? You know, it, it's usually about 100, uh, maybe high 90s by the time we get off the field. We're, we practice in the morning to stay away from the heat. Yeah. Um, but actually, the, you know, during monsoon season out here, it actually got a little humid this year. So we, we were fighting a little humidity, but – uh, you know, we changed some things to get our guys a break, uh, kind of in between practice, cool them down a little bit, and then uh, that way they can cool off, rehydrate, and then, and then get back after it. So uh, the guys did a good job adjusting. Coach Arroyo put together a heck of a plan for a fall camp, and, uh, you know, our guys were just working. And you went through some hot camps uh, yourself at East Carolina. How do they compare? Uh, well, you know, that heat and humidity on, on that uh, – 
turf in, in Greenville is a little bit different when, you're, when your cleats are melting uh, on that afternoon practice. <laughs> so uh, the humidity is what makes that, that heat out there yeah. uh, Greenville a little bit different than out here. Damon Magazoo, assistant coach at UNLV, working with the safeties, uh, his first assistant coaching job. Week zero game for UNLV, taking on Idaho State. What do you know about the uh, the Ohio St- uh, Idaho State squad? Well, they got a good group of guys, um, a really good group of receiving core, uh, tight ends, running back, quarterback, and O line. And uh, you know, again, we just continue to focus on ourselves. But uh, you know, a fun fact for you is uh, Mazzoni is the uh, offensive coordinator out there so gray mazzoni's older brother so i called i called gray earlier this week um just to say hello to him and uh he's actually going to be out at the game so hopefully i can see him uh before uh, the game starts that's good stuff idaho state and unlv 330 kickoff on the uh eastern time on the cbs sports network damon magazine join us damon anything else you want to say as far as uh, east carolina nc state is concerned was it a uh a, a more you know kind of just an extra special game for you guys when you played the Wolfpack? i mean i mean what, what were some of your feelings leading into the game it always meant uh, a little bit more, and I think anybody who says a, a rivalry game does not uh, is kind of lying to themselves. Um, but it always meant more, that in-state rivalry, um, and, and you just had to focus a little bit more on your job and not let your emotion, you know, kind of take over. Um, this year is going to be a little, little bittersweet now that uh, Coach Ruff's over there, um, Coach Brian Mitchell's over there. But, uh, you know, we're, we're still rocking with DCU. That, that'll never change. Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to see, uh, too, uh, especially Coach Ruff, obviously, who bleeds purple. He's in the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's on that little sideline. And uh, he just, I told him, I said, Coach Ruff, you just don't look as good in red. That, that's just how it is. But uh, uh, glad to see him do, he's doing well. It was a great opportunity. Dave Dorn's a really good guy. In fact, we'll have Dave Dorn on our radio show next week as we preview East Carolina and North Carolina State. So we're looking forward to that. Damon, I know you're really, really busy. I appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us. Thanks so much, and uh, we uh, enjoy talking to you as always. Don't be a stranger. If you need anything our way, please give us a call. Yes, sir, I will. I appreciate you having me, and same to you, brother. All right, Damon Magazu joining us. We'll take a break. Back with more on this edition of the Brian Bailey Show right after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned utilities mean local control, low rates, and high reliability. Now, back to the show. Left in the ball game. Pass is caught. Fisher will score. Ron Frankie Valley is starting to hum a little bit there, wherever he's starting to hum, I believe, right now. Pumped a little life back in uh, in him. I think you're right. Good heavens. What a comeback. I believe. What a comeback. East Carolina and North Carolina State way back on January the 2nd. 
1992, January the 1st, 1992, I should say. What a performance for Luke Fisher in that game, catching the game-winning touchdown pass, 37-34. And Luke joins us now, the former East Carolina Pirate tight end, probably, arguably, the greatest play in East Carolina football history because the Pirates finished ninth in the nation that year. That was the highest finish ever for an East Carolina Pirate football team. But, Luke, every time you hear that, you got to have great memories, don't you? Sure, yeah, it brings a smile back, that's for sure. You got that smile going. And and we're growing old together, my friend, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) We are. You're right about that. When you think back to your days at East Carolina, obviously, you, you know, you come down from Jersey, you come in as a quarterback. I don't even know if people even remember that. No, they probably don't. Uh, it didn't last very long. I think I only stayed a quarterback maybe two or three days, and then they, they transferred me over to outside linebacker. How'd you like linebacker? Well, I loved it. I played that in high school as well, kind of played both ways. But, um, you know, moving to the defense was, something I had been playing my whole life anyway. So that was, for me, it was fine. You know, in my career here in covering East Carolina, I've always said the Pirates are much better offensively when they have a tight end, and and they do have some now in the program that that will really make a difference. I think this season and going back through the years, some of the really lean years, Pirates didn't have you know didn't use the tight end in some of the offenses, but really didn't have anybody like that. But when you took over that tight end position, I mean, you were really a, a just a not only a safety valve for for Jeff Blake, but really just one of the, his big time weapons. Yeah, I think the the offense or the style of offense we ran back then uh, certainly was was a passing attack that you know included the tight end and in a big portion of that. Uh, so because of that offense we were running, the tight end was you know was a part of it, and I was happy to make that move when they asked me to move over to tight end. When I asked them if I could catch the ball, they said yes, you'd be able to catch the ball. So. <laughs> All right, let's go through some of the great plays in your career. Uh, I know you did an article with Bonesville, and I saw that article last night and doing some research for this interview, but uh, some of the plays I definitely do remember. But but you talked about some of these plays, the two touchdowns at Georgia. That's funny. Yeah, you bring that up because uh, at all the plays, there's there's been a couple, but that one is up there for me for the simple fact, you know, uh, Coach Lewis used to coach there, and, and I guess it meant a little bit to him coming back to his old school, and I wanted to just play the best I could that game, like every game, but that one kind of meant, I think, a little bit to, to Coach Lewis as well, being able to, to play them really tough in their place. And then you had that 91-yard reception against Florida State. Yes, that was <laughs> – that was uh, – I was surprised that I actually scored 91 yards against because they, they had a pretty good uh, – defensive back team at that time and very fast so uh for me to score 91 and on that particular play was was pretty pretty good for somebody as slow as me (laughs) one of the other things you mentioned in the article was the brawl at virginia tech oh yeah that was uh it was a big rival back then between the two schools and i had a buddy of mine i grew up playing with who played for that team so uh, that atmosphere playing there at Virginia Tech was such a big deal. And uh, I don't think they respected us. And I think after that game, they did. I think they did, too. Well, what was the brawl about? 
Well, I, I, as far as the brawl, I'm not sure. It was just everybody was out there, uh, you know, doing their doing their best playing the game. It was back and forth, and I know there were some great defensive plays that game. Everybody contributed to that to that win for sure. I I don't even think I played all that much to be honest with you on that game. Wow. I had a messed up shoulder, a dislocated shoulder at the time, so I only played a few series. There were some great games through the years against Virginia Tech, and hopefully down the road we'll get that uh, that rivalry renewed because there's no reason for Virginia Tech and East Carolina not to play, but that's uh, some great things there. All right, let's go to the Peach Bowl now. You guys have that magical season. Uh, before we talk about the Peach Bowl, though, what were some of the memories you have of the regular season and just that run uh, to that great record? Well, Let's see. As far as my memory goes, it's I, the the one thing that stands out was I believe it was a, an away game at Syracuse that we won, and when we came back to the airport, you know, besides the game and all the great plays and Jeff scramble and all that, uh, but when we came back to the airport and all those people were waiting for us, and I think the police actually escorted us back to the dorms in the buildings, that was something that you know back then that never happened before. For, for us, or at least for me, so it was pretty neat seeing that. Yeah, it, it was. I remember I was on that trip. Uh, I think, if I'm, my memory serves me correctly, uh, Bill Lewis's wife put the "I Believe" stickers and not the stickers, but the, the they made them on a computer. They were like uh, sheets of paper that said "I Believe," and they put them in the locker room and and they had it all you know decked out with that. You remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And and that was from that point on. It kind of stuck, and everybody went with that. That's what everybody was saying, uh, you know, between the media and the fans. I mean, so that was the beginning of it, I guess. The Pittsburgh game, when you guys uh, came back home and, and had to rally to win that game, that was memorable too, wasn't it? It certainly was, yes. And the funny part is uh, I remember us practicing and Coach Logan is making us play, making us go for the two-point conversion. Uh, it's like anything. Practice. If you practice and prepare properly, then then basically it'll happen. And that's kind of how it happened. Because we, he said we're going to win the game on the last play of the game with a two point conversion. And that week we practiced it, and sure enough, it happened. And it was quite a rally that Jeff Blake had to to put together in the final seconds just to have a chance for that two point conversion. Oh yeah, yeah. All the connections he made and um, uh, between Hunter and then. Uh, oh. The speedy little guy, I forget, Dion, Dion, Dion Johnson. Yeah, and then and then the uh, two point, and then him running it in, and then the two point conversion. Yeah, um, it was just special being at home. That was a really big win at home for everybody, and and. I think the fans showed that by tearing down the goalpost. <laughs> you know, you know who was really one of my favorite players on that team that I don't think gets enough you know, said about him was Cedric Van Buren. I just thought he was yeah. such a clutch player. He always came through. Um, in the Peach Bowl, same thing. He was always there. He was always very consistent, and he came through for us when we needed him, for sure. All right, 34-17 in the Peach Bowl. It's cold in Atlanta. You guys didn't play very well for a lot of that game. Uh, you got 8:41 to play, 34-17. You hear some of the I Believe chants, but you heard them louder later in the fourth quarter. But did you believe at 34-17? Well, Todd, I, I still, if anybody brings that game up and we talk about it, I just remember walking up and down the sideline telling, you know, encouraging some of the guys and saying that, you know, I know we're going to win this game. Just keep your heads up and, 
And I just, for some reason, I had that confidence knowing we were going to end up winning that game. And it was some kind of comeback. When it, during that comeback did you really feel like, hey, you know, we've got it now? <laughs> well, I think when Jeff, um, when we came back and there was probably a little over eight minutes left and we scored the first one and we really got moving, uh, the second series when we really started clicking and, and Jeff started connecting on some passes. And again, it was one of those preparation things because we prepared for a two minute offense all leading up to that game. And so we knew what we were doing. We had confidence going into it. Jeff did a great job distributing the ball for sure. All right, you got the ball down there. You're 22 yards away from pay dirt. If I remember correctly, it was an option route that Jeff Blake threw to you when you scored the winning touchdown. It was, yes. That was either uh, just curl in or curl out kind of thing and – you know, he did a good job leading me out and keeping keeping the ball away from the defender, and I just caught it and kind of took it on the run. When you scored that touchdown, and I not not exactly when you scored it, but say on the way home or or maybe a week later, did you ever think like that's going to be an iconic picture in pirate football history uh, of you putting your arms out and Hunter Gallimore comes over to you? But I mean that picture just it will last forever in East Carolina football history. Well, I don't think anything uh, – you don't really think about it at the time. It's not until years later when you get a chance to reflect and see, and then everybody has has pictures, and then even the other picture of diving across. A lot of people have pictures, yeah. and they always – every once in a while they're posting it or something like that. That's kind of neat. But, no, you never really think about those things until you have time to reflect and look back on it. Do you keep up with any of the guys still? I do, yeah. We still uh, communicate. A lot of us do via text, but every once in a while we'll call um, and talk to each other. But everybody's doing good that I keep in touch with, for sure. I wish I could keep in touch with more of the guys. All right, big question is, are you going to come down to Greenville and see us during the East Carolina football season this year? I am. I'm trying to pick which game will work. I've got a couple other places I'm um going to and um i can't make the first game against nc state it's my it's our anniversary oh. my wife wanted to do something else <laughs> those anniversaries are getting in the way of everything good won't they yeah, don't say <laughs> don't tell her i said that though we want, we want to stay on our good side yeah right yeah how many years will it be for your marriage then oh uh, i wish you wouldn't ask me that oh the pressure's on now you got to figure it out <laughs> 22 or 23, something like that. Wow, that's a long time, Luke. I didn't make it that long my first one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm on the way, my second one. Couple years, so I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good since the over-under was, was only a few years. So. Yeah, I'd say the guy should probably have the over-under down from there. All right, Luke, what do you do for uh, for your career and that kind of thing? Get us up to date. Well, I'm down here in West Palm Beach and uh, currently uh, co-owner with a, a general contracting firm and we're building houses building new homes and uh, we just finished one on palm beach not too long ago so um we're just uh i, I would say living the dream but florida has changed quite a bit over the past couple of years um but i still enjoy it and, and i'm doing what i like to do what does it do as far as your career goes on a day-to-day basis what are some of the things some of the things you, you have to take care of and that kind of thing as a general contractor 
Well, a lot of it is somewhat running the business, but it's going out, meeting clients, meeting different investors, uh, you know, taking a look at floor plans, pricing, a lot of pricing going on and stuff, um, you know, dealing with designers and selections and the, the whole process. So everything from kind of start to finish, if somebody makes a phone call and wants to build a house down here in South Florida. Man, South Florida is a different world, though, isn't it? Yes, it, it's changed quite a bit. A lot of people have actually moved in the past year and a half. Uh, it's getting kind of crowded in the areas that it wasn't crowded before. Wow, that's a that's a different word. Every time I've ever thought about, I've been there a couple of times, but it's just uh, you know South Beach, Miami, all of that. That's a that's, that's big time city life, isn't it? It is down there. West Palm isn't quite there. It's not as big, um, but it is. It is. Because of that, it's, there's there's not as many high rises and things, but they are starting to go in downtown West Palm for sure. All right, when you think about your career, Luke, how did the football career help your career now? Well, I think the work ethic, uh, that first thing, just with with when you get into the office and when you leave, one of the first ones in, one of the last ones to leave, always trying to find something to do, uh, staying busy. Uh, you know, and then a lot of the great direction from the coaches themselves of being a, a good individual, a good person, having faith as well, all translate into the business aspect of, of living or life. <laughs> do you get a chance to keep up with the Pirates then? I do, yeah, uh, a little bit. Not as much as I'd like to, but a lot of the guys uh, and, and even the people up there that I still communicate with from time to time. But I'm, I'm looking forward to this year, I think, the coach has done a really good year, uh, or good job with the kids, rather, over the past couple years. And this year, I'm hoping to be their year with the, the quarterback, with Holton coming back, and this will be, a, what, his third year starting now? Yeah, he's, he's been there forever. I think it's parts of four. He's, he's been there five, but I think uh, as a starter, I mean, he's, he's it seems like every time you, you open up the book, it's Holton Ailes' start. I don't know what we're going to do next year. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny, but at least he has a good a good crew. He's got some really good uh, running backs, you know, uh, good good one two punch there, and then he's got a good some good receivers. And I know uh, CJ's back again, so I think this they ought to. I'm really looking forward to a really good year with these guys, and they're playing a pretty good schedule, and they got some teams in the top 25, so uh, it should be challenging, but but exciting at the same time. All right, Luke, I'm going to make your plans for your anniversary. So we're going to watch the state East Carolina game at noon, and then we're going to take the lovely wife out for a very nice dinner, say, 6.30, 7 o'clock. What do you think? There you go. That's perfect. Thanks, Brian. You think she'll go for that? <laughs> uh, she should. I hope she will. All right. Well, good luck with that. Luke Fisher joining us. Luke, thanks so much for your time. I know you're busy down there in South Florida. We certainly appreciate hearing from you. appreciate the friendship through the years and uh, the guy who made one of the greatest plays in East Carolina Pirate history against the Wolfpack, and we'd love to have you having you on today. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate reaching out. You guys, uh, good luck. Go Pirates, and take care. All right, Luke Fisher, former East Carolina Pirate tight end, joining us. We'll take our final commercial break. We'll come back, and then we'll wrap up this edition of the Brian Bailey Show right after this.
You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, working for our community, not for shareholders. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back as we wrap up this edition of The Brian Bailey Show. Next week, Dave Doran, North Carolina State head coach, will be one of our guests. We're working with Blake Harrell, defensive coordinator at East Carolina. We don't have him confirmed as of yet, but that's the game plan. We do have uh, Coach Doran's going to be on for a little bit to talk East Carolina and NC State football. It'll be game week this time next week. I want to thank our guests today and what a great lineup we had. Shane Carden, the captain who led East Carolina to that 42-28 win over the Wolfpack back in 2013. In 2010, the hero was Damon Magazoo who picked off that pass to a win it for East Carolina in overtime against the Wolfpack. And then Luke Fisher, one of the iconic pictures of all time as he scored the game-winning touchdown January the 1st, 1992 as East Carolina beat North Carolina State by the final 37-34. Great wins for the Pirates over the Wolfpack. Mike Houston and company hope to add to that list coming up on September the 3rd. That's our show. We'll see you back here next week on The Brian Bailey Show. This has been The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, Pepsi, The Rick House, Greenville Utilities, BMS Builders, Seared Chop House, The Gavigan Agency, Tap Tap and Hagler, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. Join us next week for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, right here on Pirate Radio.